Do you have an inspiring quote or an insightful quote that you want to share with our uh, viewers and listeners around the world? Uh, yeah, you caught me off guard there. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Becca when you need her? It's hospital pass. Um, <laughs> quote of the day. I'll give you a quote of the day. Don't drink bleach. <laughs> well said. Hello guys, so welcome back to the Matt Brown Show. Today I'm privileged to bring you once again the man, the legend that is Vinnie Lingham. Vinnie is a South African internet entrepreneur who is the co-founder and CEO of Civic and Identity Protection and Management Startup. Many of you will recognize him from the Dragon's Den, the Shark Tank, and many other media platforms focused on business and entrepreneurship. Just some of his accolades include the Top 500 CEOs in the World Award, the World Economic Forum's Young Global Leaders Award, the Endeavor High Impact Entrepreneur Award, and the Top Young ICT Entrepreneur in Africa Award. On top of all of that, he's just a cool dude. So today we take a deep dive into the current state of crypto and Bitcoin, but more specifically, we talk about a recent development in the Civic Wallet. An announcement that recently came out was that Civic and CoinCover have launched a first-of-its-kind crypto wallet with a $1 million protection guarantee, which makes this product the number one leading wallet in the world. This show was also broadcast live, guys, across the interweb, social media, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. We were inundated with questions and comments, and thank you guys so much for participating in the live shows. We had an online audience of over a 1,000 people on this broadcast on Twitter alone. So this is becoming a very exciting time for the Matt Brown Show as we reach more and more people. So if you would like to get access to more live shows, guys, simply head on over to mattbrownshow.com, hit the live registration link, plug in your details, and my team will take care of the rest. So without further ado, into Vinnie Lingham. Vinnie Lingham, welcome to the show. Welcome back, I should say. Hey Matt, good to be back. Thanks. Likewise, man. Great to have you here. So guys, uh, we are live streaming this on uh, Facebook, on YouTube, on um, on Twitter as well. Uh, we are taking inbound questions for Vinny. Um, <laughs> just remembered something about uh, Vinny Lingham. He's the Bitcoin Oracle, apparently. Does that still stick? Nah, that's old school. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair that enough. In, that was back in the days before Bitcoin became popular. <laughs> Um, and uh, do stick around to the end of the interview, guys. We are going to be giving away some cool stuff from uh, from Civic. In fact, um, should we let them know what it is now, Vinny? Uh, go ahead. Yeah, go so ahead. it's going to be a goodie bag of branded Civic items. Uh, we're going to basically post this to you locally here in South Africa. All you need to do to get your hands on this thing and to be first is to tweet, uh, basically to send us a question. So wherever you're watching this on Facebook or LinkedIn or sorry, on YouTube or Twitter, just uh, hop on there and um, drop us a question. So the team is on the end of the line um, and we are ready to take your questions. So uh, Vinny, why don't you set this one up for us? Um, for those of you who have been living in a tree and don't know who Vinny Lingham is, uh, why don't you give us the kind of a 120 second rundown? Who are you? What are you about? What are you up to these days? Yeah, so I'm a serial entrepreneur. has been around for you know too many years and uh Built a whole bunch of companies uh, in the tech space. Uh, pre- you know, just prior to to Civic, I built a company called Gift, which is a mobile gift card platform. Uh, it was a really great user experience. You could spend bitcoins to buy uh, gift cards from anywhere in the world, and that was very popular back in those days because we didn't really have fiat, uh, you know, off ramps. Really. And, and so when you had, you know, you had Bitcoin, how did you spend it? Uh, and we opened up the doors to 55,000 stores in America where you can walk into literally and just swap your Bitcoins for a gift card and, and make a purchase. Mm-hmm. I sold the company to First Data back in 2014 and uh, spent some time there. They're the biggest payments company in the world. And then uh, 2015, uh, well, early 2016, I left to start uh, Civic and uh, I've been doing that ever since. All right, great. Um, so how would you describe, I mean, I did a whole series called Crypto Kung Fu um, not too long ago, probably, I don't know, three months ago, uh, where we went really deep into the crypto industry. Um, with the COVID-19 coronavirus um, situation, I personally invest in Bitcoin. I um, 
I uh, was looking to see the Bitcoin price run <laughs> a little bit more harder than uh, than we currently saw it. Actually, in, in fact, it's it's probably the first test, real test of Bitcoin, uh, given everything that's going on out there. Um, and uh, it seems to be on a bit of a, a bit of a run. How would you characterize the current states of Bitcoin at the moment? I think it's a bit of a wait and see. Uh, the, the biggest issue with Bitcoin right now is the high correlation to the S and P and the and the Dow Jones, really. Uh, and so, you know, Bitcoin was supposed to be this, and I say supposed to, like, if you've been in Bitcoin long enough, you know that the narrative changes every couple of years, you know, based upon, uh, you know, who's in the community and who's with the loud voice and, and, and whatnot. So there's, there's different views, right? I mean, everyone's got a different view on Bitcoin. I think the longer you've been in Bitcoin, the more jaded you become sometimes. And so mm. uh, I, I got to the point where, look, the, the narrative changed from Bitcoin being a, a, a sort of payments rails, which is what, when I got involved in Bitcoin, and being used to move money around the world to Bitcoin is a store of value and, and an uncorrelated asset. And therefore, you should buy this and add it to your portfolio because in times of economic strife, when governments are printing billions of billions of dollars, it'll protect you. Mm. And we've seen that whole narrative fall apart in the past 30 days, 45 days, because governments have printed trillions of dollars. Bitcoin hasn't really moved much. In fact, it dipped when the, when, when the S&P and everything else crashed. And so Bitcoin has proven to be a highly correlated uh, asset uh, to the rest of the market and not a you know, true store of value. Uh, now, it doesn't mean it won't be. It just means that, well, there's just no evidence to show that it is right now. And, and I've been one of the people who, you, know, you mentioned the fact that I was called the Bitcoin Oracle. I was the, the biggest Bitcoin maximalist up until 2017. And when I got more involved in the politics of the, you know, of the, the community, I kind of got turned off by a lot of the ways things were done and the way narrative changed and people who are newer and not as didn't get as deep into the, into the weeds, they, you know, they basically bought the new narrative and they don't realize the history behind it. And that's fine. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not here to criticize people's you know, personal uh, affinities for different coins or, or whatnot, but I can say that it's not as, it's not as clear as it used to be in the past where Bitcoin was, you know, was going to be the winner. Mm. Um, and now, it, you know, it's about competition. Yeah, it's um, it, I'm I'm kind of very much in that kind of camp now. How would you? What's the new narrative then? I mean, if if it's not the savior, I mean, maybe yes, the you know central banks are like printing money like there's no tomorrow. It was like six trillion dollar printing package from uh, from the Fed in the US alone. Um, you know, you got seventeen million odd people that are unemployed instantly. Um, we're looking at all the graphs. You know, hyperinflation around the world and. You know, Bitcoin's not necessarily where most speculators predicted it would be, um, and um, and so just to pick up on what you said, I mean, what's is there a new narrative that you see uh, in in kind of like the Bitcoin space at the moment well, coming look, out of this? I took a bet with Ronnie Moas back in I think November twenty eighteen that by the end of twenty nineteen you wouldn't uh, get a a Bitcoin, $20,000 Bitcoin price. He was going on about the fact that it'll be $28,000 and he took a $20,000 bet on stage at the conference. Hmm. Uh, you know, and a year and a year and a bit later, yeah, he lost by quite a large margin. It wasn't even close. And so, you know, it's not that I'm a Bitcoin bear necessarily. It's just that I don't see the, I don't see the fundamentals that's going to drive the price up right now in the short term, medium term. Now the halving's coming, but I think it's already been priced in. I mean, everyone knows it's coming. Uh, and you can argue there's a mechanical uh, you know, reduction in, in, in coins in the market, etc. But it's only 50,000 coins. If you look at how many millions of coins are traded every single month, I don't see how 50,000 makes a big difference hmm. uh, right now. So I, I'm skeptical on a lot of these things. And just largely because I think, the, 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 again, I'm part of the old, old school people who have been in this industry for eight years. So, again, I, I totally accept the fact that I could totally be jaded about this. Hmm. But I, I just don't understand how these um how the the, the 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 dollars flow in to bitcoin at a disproportionate rate to every other asset out there i mean if if stocks and and and, and bonds and whatever else starts dropping down to levels which make it stupid not to own them right people mm. are going to put money there versus in bitcoin right now you've also got you've got a lot of other issues that are emerging worldwide now i think the bitcoin price can run in certain countries where uh, currencies get devalued so africa just printed 500 billion rand uh, it, it makes a lot of sense where that people start buying Bitcoin in South Africa because you'll probably do better on Bitcoin versus the, the, the South African rand than you would, um, you know, on just holding rands. However, there becomes a there's like reflexivity in, this, in these markets because 
if that starts to happen and everyone in South Africa starts pouring their money into Bitcoin, the government's going to shut off the fiat on-ramps into Bitcoin for that market mm. uh, without a doubt. Because remember, the governments are trying to print money to help save the economy. And if they see Bitcoin as being disruptive to that effort, they will cut it off. So, so we haven't gone through um, the part where government fights back on Bitcoin yet in other parts of the world, or even in, 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 you know, I think there are some parts of the world where they've banned Bitcoin or whatever else. So there's, there's still a long road to go. Um, I'm not saying Bitcoin can't reach, you know, stratospheric heights, but I just don't think it's going to be overnight. Yeah. Um, what do you think, um, you know, for the ordinary man in the street, do you, you know, if, um, if you consider the fact that, um, you know, it's just crazy what's going on. Uh, they're calling this the black, a black swan event. You know, you've got a pandemic, nobody can travel. You've got hyperinflation. You've got, you know, all these um, stimulus packages all around the world. Just money's just being inflated from a basis of fucking nowhere, essentially. Um, and, um, you know, the ordinary man in the streets is, is probably not so much aware of what the possible impact of of this will be post a coronavirus um, sort of pandemic season, if you if you want to uh, you know kind of label it as such. And what I mean by that is if you if you stop and fast forward a year, maybe two years. Now there's a vaccine in place, but we're still sitting with uh, with an economic situation that's a bomb that's waiting to go off. Um, what should we be looking out for? As ordinary consumers in the financial markets, you know, if you if you're looking forward a year from now, sort of thing. You know, uh, interesting. You use the word black swan, right? So I, I posted a tweet um, uh, back in June 2018 and said, "Is it just me, or does the world seem to be running out of black swans?" Right? Because <laughs> the, the view I had back then, in 2018, was like, "Look." Everything looks just too peachy and, and, and too predictable, and like, why is it? Why is nothing breaking? Like, how is it possible for the, the world to keep, keep going the way it is? That was June 2018. Okay, it took nearly two years for the black swan, which I was expecting to hit at some point, to hit. Now, there's no you can't predict when a black swan hits. That's the whole point. But it was just it just seemed everything was just going too well. Everything's too predictable. There was just a total. Um, uh, disregard for any sorts of risk in the world. It was a total risk on environment. Nothing could go wrong. And I'm, and I just like, you know, I kind of took the view of like, well, this is, this is not going to end well. Um, and, and yeah. And so I think that with COVID-19 now, we've had to rethink everything from the ground up. I mean, I, I remember doing some podcasts and some, and some talks. Um, I, I can't remember the exact dates, but it was, it was around about 2018. And, and one of the things I said was, look, we, we have this, we have everything we've done in the world so far as a, as a global economy. It's, it's, we're really well structured around certain, certain constraints and certain, um, um, you know, fixed, fixed constants, right? And one of those is, is the fact that population growth has continued for years and years unabated. Uh, you know, as an example, right? Property is seen as a safe investment. Uh, and if any of those assumptions go challenged at some point in time, and it, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to upend a lot of the world structure and order, right? Property right now is a disaster. Commercial real estate is a disaster. If you've got restaurants, if you're a landlord and you've got restaurants and retail stores and whatever else, in pretty much any country in the world, you're taking pain. People are not paying rents. People are skipping rents, and that applies like almost globally right now. So all of a sudden, everyone goes, "You can't go wrong with property. It's a safe investment. It doesn't look so safe anymore." Especially the people who are over leveraged on those properties. Mm -hmm. Okay, the REITs that have taken up so much mass massive leverage to try and gear up profits with cheap money. All of a sudden, these things are defaulting. The assets that you could never thought could go toxic have gone toxic. And so COVID-19 has been a very uh, disruptive force. But guess what? We haven't even seen it play out yet. We're at the first innings of a very long game, okay? And we're just starting to see the first order effects right now. The second and third order effects are still coming. And so I, I think we should just all be a little bit more uh, humble and skeptical as to what can happen in the future because we don't know. Mm. Mm. Yeah, um, if if you were to speculate, and I know I'm putting you in a difficult situation, though, I mean, um, how long do you think at one obvious one? How long do you think this is going to, you know, run on for as a narrative until kind of things go back to you know 
business than usual, I suppose. It's never really going to go back to the normal or, or what we used to expect in terms of the status quo. Um, so if you were to speculate forward, I mean, what, what do you foresee happening here in terms of the business environment and maybe with your investors' hats on? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can't literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up, it's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. So uh, it's hard to speculate, but I, I'd say that my my sense right now is there's no return to normal after this. Mm. And whether it's uh, six months or 12 months or whenever we find a vaccine um, for this virus, the, the, there's going to be a new normal. And so everything needs to be repriced in in whatever you know asset currency you want to use. Uh, a lot of countries are going to have to reprice in dollars um, because their local currencies are going to collapse because they... You can't have these countries who are under lockdown where they're printing money in this amount of stimulus and, and nothing happens, right? It's not possible. I mean, South Africa's really been downgraded to young status. Mm. So um, I, my, my sense is there's a total repricing. It's going to take us 12 to 18 months to start to see the second order effects emerge, maybe even sooner in some areas. Mm. Um, we, 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 you know, we're still facing massive supply chain disruptions on a global basis, uh, and that hasn't played out yet because you know, inventories could buffer some uh, some breakdown. I mean, if you look at, for example, pork in the U.S., 25% of production disappeared. We're not getting, you know, uh, Canadian bacon, you know, imports anymore because they're holding it back for their own people. Like, there's supply chain disruptions in food, in medical, in every category, every industry in the world. And it takes... I'd say two or three months to start feeling it, and then probably six months to really get the pain from these uh, these um, industries. Good news is, you know, we're a very enterprising, capitalistic bunch of people in the world, and you know, new businesses will set sp- will will start up from different places and and service the demand. But you know, when there's a structural problem, you can't keep printing money. So governments mm-hmm. can't keep printing money in order to um, uh, you know keep the economies going. Yeah. They just they just can't, right? You've mm. got to actually have people out there in the economy working and contributing. Yeah, I was uh, reading an article uh, from the New York Times recently. There was they were forecasting uh, that, and they were estimating, I should say, that nine trillion dollars is going to be wiped off the global economy in the next two years. That's a frightening. Yeah, that's that. entirely possible. Uh, one of the other tweets I posted was an example of, of you know money flowing out of. Yeah, so, so value's been captured worldwide. Like, for example, if you had a Ferrari, as an example, in South Africa, and it was priced at, you know, two or three or five million rand, the rand suddenly went to 10 million. The Ferrari's still worth what it's worth in dollars, right? Mm. Even if the rand depreciated 50%. So it, it, what happens then is that assets just get repriced in hard currencies, especially global assets. You, you've got the situation where there is some buffer on a global scale, and so value doesn't get wiped off entirely. Um, because it may get wiped out in some currency or it may get repriced in a different currency, uh, but those assets will still remain part of the global economy to some extent. Um, yeah, it, it, this is very complex. It's a multi-country, sort of multi-currency um, uh, you know, problem to solve. But um, yeah, I, I, I think that there will be massive collateral damage to the global economy, which could take us five, ten years to recover from. Cool. I mean, the airline industry took ten years to recover from 9-11. Example. Mm. I got a question here from Pavan on Twitter. He says, "Vinny, can Bitcoin theory prove in this crisis and scale up while other stocks may go down?" 
Well, Bitcoin's not a stock. So <laughs> I'll start there. Um, <laughs> you know, the problem with Bitcoin is it's limited to seven transactions per second, right? And that's been the, that's been the big debate in the community for years and years and years. How do you scale Bitcoin? Lightning Network's not ready. Definitely not ready for what, what you know what could happen if it has to go up. So we really struck with can we make Bitcoin scale at a low, reasonably low volume on a global scale? I've always been of the opinion that no, we can't because the fees get too high, and that's that's a massive problem for us. But again, I'm not I'm not the I'm not an expert, right? And no one's an expert in Bitcoin. Everyone's got their own opinions and thoughts. Um, it's possible that it could scale. It's also, I, you know, based on the math and the numbers, seven transactions per second isn't much. Um, maybe it scales on exchanges. Um, but there's, yeah, like Bitcoin is its own beast. Uh, it, it'll move when it wants to move. It'll go to new highs when it wants to go to new highs. You know, this is probably the longest bear market we've seen so far. It'll mm-hmm. be longer. Um, you know, may end tomorrow. Uh, it's unpredictable. Are you listening to the audio version only of this podcast? Well, if you are, you can also now join the live broadcast experience on any of our social media channels. That's YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Simply plug in Matt Brown Show on YouTube, Matt Brown ZA on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And please, guys, do us a favor. If you have been following the show, which I know many of you have been doing, head on over to iTunes, guys, when you have a minute and leave us a review. It would be great to get feedback from you directly on the show, and it would also help us to reach more entrepreneurs all around the world. Cool, Vinny. So I'm going to dive into some of the civic stuff after this, but let's uh, get into our segment, uh, Quote of the Day. Do you have an inspiring quote or an insightful quote that you want to share with our uh, viewers and listeners around the world? Uh, You caught me off guard there. (laughs) (laughs) Where's Becca when you need her? It's hospital pass. Um, Quote of the Day. I'll give you a quote of the day. Don't drink bleach. (laughs) Well said. Well That's gotta be said. the quote of the day. What the? F- I'm I'm trying not to swear now these these days because it's uh, it is broadcast live. Um, I have youngsters watching, um, especially on Facebook. You know these millennials. Uh, they get upset with me when I f bomb. Uh, but um, but I mean Trump. Obviously, let's talk about that. I mean Trump now uh, is covering. I don't want to talk about Trump. You don't want to talk about Trump. Come on. <laughs> you put it in play. No, you put no, it no, in I'm play, dude. No. Okay, fine, no. fine. Right, let's move swiftly. I'm just, I'm just reiterating what the you know what the. Uh, the CDC and the uh, uh, you know the Surgeon General and everyone else in the medical industry said they just said don't drink bleach. I have no. This is no, not a reference to Trump. Okay, no, that's great. Bleach is bad. Do not use disinfectant for your COVID virus. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. Swiftly moving on. Uh, so one of the things that came that was clearly um, apparent after talking to probably a dozen people, Ran Noina, you know, and many many others like yeah. him. Uh, tone vase, etc. Uh, one of the key things that kind of came out in, in terms of a consensus among people in the kind of, I would say, blockchain cryptocurrency space is that, you know, uh, after the kind of 2015 bull run and then it all tanked, it wiped out a lot of um, companies that weren't really creating value. Uh, or utility in terms of their application of blockchain technologies to consumer markets, to business markets, and things like that. Um, and so Civic is one of those companies that's always been at the forefront of creating utility. Um, I remember my mind, uh, cast, I cast my mind back, I should say, to a time when um, I think you were doing like a, a cryptocurrency beer vending machine or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so I mean, it's a... Yeah, sm- yeah Karen. It's just, it's more about like we've been experimenting with how to use digital IDs in interesting ways and in automated ways. Mm. And one of those things are how do you prove, how do you do proof of age? Uh, and the beer vending machine is a good example where you can prove you're over 21 and get a beer. And by the way, that's way more relevant today than it was at the time we, we put it together, purely because beer vending machines are going to be a, a thing when bars are closed. <laughs> so we, we, we think this is an interesting space to play in. I think it's more about uh, proof of identity, proof of, of, of things like health status for COVID-19, uh, and doing it in a way which is sensitive to um, your uh, identity information and your privacy. And that's what we've been focused on. Mm. Can you dumb it down for us? Exactly what are you trying to do here when you talk about digital identity management on the blockchain? Just sum it up yeah, simply. Yeah. What does it mean? 
So what, what Civic has built is, uh, and using Idea.com as a platform, Civic has built a, a, a platform that allows people to um, pull personal information into an app where they store their own data. So no one's storing this information. It's not being housed on Civic servers. And you're able to use that in different and interesting ways. So proving that you're over 21. Potentially, if you have you know, COVID-19 uh, antibodies that could be stored on your phone, you could use it to enter a building. We have a partnership with Tyco uh, and JCI uh, to, to do building access control. So maybe COVID-19 uh, status becomes something that is interesting uh, for buildings to you know, verify health of people entering. Um, you know, we also have a crypto wallet built in there, so you can store your crypto keys um, and you can store your money, and it's all self-custody, and it's all a non-custodial wallet. And this is this is the interesting part about it. Like, can you give people a, a – it's effectively a digital wallet, right? It's got money, and it's got identity information, same as a driver's license and cash or credit cards. And so finding use cases for this is interesting. And, and the way we've built this is we put the information we, – we help you get the information onto your device. Um, and whoever is attesting to information, it, you know, signs, uh, uh, basically puts a signature on the blockchain, a hash on the blockchain, which confirms that if you can reproduce that information with the private key corresponding with the public key, uh, then you are the owner of that information. And we have facial recognition built into the app, and we've got uh, some really good security around this. And essentially, it's a way of decentralizing identity across millions of devices without uh, having a central honeypot where everyone's information is stored. Okay. And that's basically what we've built. And so we're busy rolling out the Civic Wallet right now. Now, because of the way we've done the architecture around the wallet, this is probably the most safest, secure wallet out there because you cannot lose your keys. There's no seed phrase. Mm. And as a result, Lloyds of London, uh, along with CoinCover, have given us a million-dollar insurance policy per wallet. So if you're storing crypto in the Civic Wallet, you have a million-dollar insurance policy covering that for basically... Um, all, all risks of losing your keys are covered. So if for some reason you've lost your phone, it's fallen on the toilet, it's whatever, as long as the coins are still there, uh, we can help you recover it and uh, it uses your identity. So we go through ID verification process again to restore it. But there's ways of restoring the, the money for you so you know that you cannot lose your keys. You never have to worry about not being able to access your your um, hardware wallet or finding a seed phrase to restore or logging in or your username and password into a web wallet. And it's non-custodial. And, and non-custodial, um, non-custodial uh, coins are actually interesting because the world's, the world's in a very bad place right now. I think we all agree. Mm. If you look at what happened in Cyprus in 20, I think it's 2013, the Bank of Cyprus just did a 20, 20 or 30% haircut for all the depositors. It just took the money out of there, right? How do, you, how do you guarantee that that cannot happen again where a bank or a government can't just take your funds? If your funds are sitting with an exchange, especially a regulated exchange, if for some reason you know a government needs money or a bank or there's a, there's a financial crisis, or whatever, if you don't have the keys to your crypto, it can be taken away from you. The moment it's with a bank or a custodian of some, you know, the, not your keys, not your coins. That's crypto, right? Mm. If you're the only one who has access to those coins, then it's a different story. Um, what do you say? There's one of the the thing, the kind of trains. I'll use that word deliberately. But there was a trend where you had, ex, you know, legacy. I use the word deliberately. Legacy financial institutions masquerading as sort of the custodians of private keys for Bitcoin investors. Um, do you feel that um, you know those those kind of players? They're, like usually they're based out of Switzerland and these kind of things. It's where, in other words, if you have multitudes of are private keys for numerous cryptocurrencies and you want a safe place to store them. Um, what? How would you describe the potential value of that kind of a service from a legacy institution like a bank, as an example, versus, say, you know, what you're doing, which is, you know, a mobile wallet? Well, again, it's custodianship versus non-custodianship. So if you're a custodian, it means that you're trusting someone else to hold your keys, secure them, protect them. And in most cases, that's probably okay. Um, but if, it's, if you want a non-custodial solution where you are the only one who has the keys and access to the coins, that's what we've built. And we think that it's just a matter of time where people start distrusting these big organizations more and more over time. Um, because, I mean, anything, any, any bank or institution that's not, not a native crypto organization is probably going to make some mistakes in uh, securing funds at some point online, get hacked, lose the coins. Now, they may have big balance sheets and they can refund you. That's fine. But again, 
um, what, what do you do in a hurry when you need the money? And the entire financial sector is shut down and, you know, sorry, we're not allowing withdrawals right now. I mean, if you don't have the keys, you can't control your money. And that's mm-hmm. the that's the simple nature of, of what crypto is, you know, the movement's about, is you know, giving people control of their own keys and their coins. Okay, so I'm on your um, your press release now, actually. So Civic and CoinCover announced the first of its kind crypto wallet with a $1 million protection guarantee. Um, who is CoinCover exactly? Uh, CoinCover is a, um, it's kind of like an insurance company. Uh, I guess that, that's what they are. Uh, and they, they've been working very hard in the crypto industry to create insurance products for crypto companies. Uh, and they're basically working with Lloyds of London, the largest you know, reinsurer on the back end to insure. So they, they work on creating the, um, the infrastructure that allows uh, Lloyds of London as a, effectively as a reinsurer um, to, to underwrite the policy. All right, great. Um, and so, um, so a million dollars. Do you feel like that is a sufficient cover for the average investor? Yeah, for the average investor, for sure. I think there are certain investors who want more, and that's obviously something we can always negotiate. But I think uh, just giving away the three million dollar coverage sets us apart from all the other wallets out there, and it's the first and only wallet that has an insured uh, crypto policy in place for all their customers, and so. We're not even public yet, but we've had some really great feedback, and our, our waitlist has grown to 150,000 users uh, and growing every day. And so we, we experience in the app, and uh, um, we think this is a massive differentiator of every other wallet out there because any wallet that has a seed phrase can't get insurance. I just the fact that the insurance company will not underwrite the risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because this is a multi-sig wallet, we can do it. Okay, um, and so how would pre- something like a premium work? Would you be would you come off your wallet uh, balance? No, or? this is this is free. Oh, it's the free. Insurance we provide. It's a free insurance product that we have. Uh, All right, great. Now it, it it may not be for everyone forever because it gets expensive, but for now it's free for as many people as we can possibly onboard. Um, how many wallet users do you currently have? Uh, the, the waitlist is 150,000 plus. I think we are we onboarded thousands already in the thousands. Uh, but we, we, we're doing it slowly because obviously we want to make sure this thing is very stable and secure. We've had a couple of early crashes and bugs and on unique versions of you know, iOS and Android that we don't really see often. But we've had to fix those bugs, and that's just the traditional um, rollout plan with. All right, cool. And so um, if somebody wanted to access the Civic Wallet, where would one do that exactly? So maybe we can get some people onto your system. Just go to, to civic.com and sign up, put your name on the wait list, and we'll send you an invite as soon as your, your number comes up. All right, cool. Um, and so more broadly in the cryptocurrency um, sort of space, uh, what do you see as kind of emerging trends at the moment um, within the cryptocurrency in general space or the blockchain technology space in general? What do you see as some really exciting opportunities that could be being driven at the moment from COVID-19 as a, as a business context or as, and a you know, financial environment? You know, I, I think the biggest opportunity right now emerging in crypto is DeFi. Uh, DeFi looks really interesting. And... Um, um, you know, the, the notion that you can, you can use decentralized financial applications and services to um, you know, compete with the banking sector is very, very appealing to a lot of people, hmm. uh, especially since it's just not, it isn't banking. It's like, uh, like people always ask, like, how do you, you know, how, how do you bank the unbanked? And the real question would be like, well, first of all, do, do the unbanked want what banks offer? And, and real, really, can we build better solutions and products so that we can, Unbank the banked, which mm-hmm. what I mean by that is build products and services that are so good, decentralized, no custodial risks or counterparty risks to them really, um, or minimize risks where people can trust the services that offer them. And um, you know, can you unbank the banked? Can you build products that are good enough that people don't want to use banking services? Because I think banking is a very expensive and old industry that will be upended at some point. Mm. Um, and if you just look at how you know how fat the 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 balance sheets are with some of these banks and how how big the fees are, the, you, know, you know the customers are paying for this stuff, and it doesn't make sense in the in the current paradigm with distributed computing and distributed ledger technology. 
to have banking in the way that we have today. Yeah. Um, so uh, there was a local startup in South Africa, um, Walla. Do you remember them? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Do you remember Walla? Um, I was, I was, a, I was an investor. Oh, were you? Fantastic. Yes, yes, yes. So what? So that that startup um, was focused at the unbanked and giving them a um, mm-hmm. an opportunity to use the blockchain and uh, and the technology inherent to that to do things in a modern way. Um, and from my understanding, uh, things didn't work out. And I wanted to get your view, if, you, if we are looking about reimagining the financial services space, especially in emerging markets where I am, um, uh, and, and a startup like Wale, which, you know, I, um, I interviewed um, the CEO, I forget her name, Trisha Martinez, I believe. Um, yep, yeah, right. yeah, and, and it, it was incredibly exciting. There was traction. There was, you know, it, there was everything was in place. And uh, I dropped out of the scene for about a year and came back, and it came up in conversation. Um, and uh, and the, apparently, it, it, the whole system or well, the whole play didn't work out. Um, can you describe why? You know, I, I think um, there's lots of reasons for it. Uh, I think it's just hard to disrupt the incumbents in the banking sector, and I think it's hard to raise money. Um, do that so uh, any company that and uh, you know i lost money on on, on water as well trying to get them to do what they did um any company that tries to take on and challenge the banks as a company i think is i wouldn't say foolish but just unlikely unlikely that a company is going to succeed at disrupting banking uh, i think it's more likely a protocol and mm. a community mm. that succeeds and so i think you know they were trying to build, I guess they were trying to build the protocol as well, and they were trying to build a company around it. Mm. But it, it was just too much of a, a stretch for one company by themselves to go and disrupt it. And they tried, you know, they did roll in Uganda to some extent and, and trying to get penetration there. But in the day, they were in the middle of the crypto winter trying to raise money, and it just didn't work for them. Um, mm. I, I think that as, a, as an industry and with the protocols we have today for money, that uh, we'll probably have better success over the long term. But you still got to build products. I mean, mm. people still have to use these protocols. I mean, stable coins present the biggest opportunity for companies to build um, better products and services on, uh, you know, the ERC-20 protocol, essentially, uh, which is expensive right now, and maybe that changes the different chain. But effectively, having stable coins that you can create, uh, stable coin currency-based services, mm. um, is probably a better way than, and especially non-custodial ones, where you don't actually have to hold the funds. People hold their own funds. You mm. can create some, but create some interesting payment products and savings products as well through that. So yeah. I, I think it's more about looking at, at how do you take on a massive global industry and disrupt it? And I think it's, it's just no one company that's going to do that by itself. Yeah, you're talking about the DAI as an example of a stable coin, right? Well, you see this, you've got two types of you got algorithmic stable coins like DAI, and then you've got collateral stable coins or currency-backed stable coins. I, I think people really want currency-backed stable coins I mean, Tether's like six trillion dollars. Oh, sorry, six billion dollars right now in in, in Tether that's been created. Um, USDC, I think, is over a billion dollars, and there's a whole bunch of other coins out there. I think that there's more likely it's more likely that something like a Tether, mm-hmm. maybe not Tether itself, you know, but there's obviously some concerns there. But like USDC would would take off um, and become a, a stable coin. But you know, you, you got to build the interface for developers to make it easy for them to, 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 to give access to those stable coins to users. There's a lot of compliance issues in, around yet on ramp into crypto dollars. But crypto dollars probably offer the best opportunity for uh, us to build a, a new infrastructure around moving money worldwide, which you know, needs to be legally compliant. So that's where so it comes in. Like we, 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 you know, we've, we've built identification rails, KYC rails, et cetera, to ensure that we know who the customers are and and, and who's doing the transactions, but making it really easier, cheaper, faster, simpler, better. Um, and you know, in the case of DeFi, higher interest rates. Imagine getting four, five, six, seven, eight, nine percent interest on, you know, and like at very low risk, right? Um, mm. uh, on your money, where you know the federal fund rate is zero percent right now, so it, it's more attractive. So we have a question from Marilyn Rebelal. I hope I'm pronouncing your surname correctly. Uh, when will the electronic wallet from civic be public i assume it's pu- it's, it's public, public right now, now. it's yeah. just it's, it's just on a wait list right so uh, there's you know thousands of people using it right now it's just on a wait list so you have to go on a wait list uh if you're asking when will it be fully rolled out i'd say in the next uh we, we expect everything to be fully deployed in the next three days i'd say by end of may 
everyone who's on the waitlist should have, have access and it should be open to the public at that point. Uh, and when I say open to the public, open to just anyone signing up. Uh, we've just had to rate limit it to make sure that we, our systems can scale and we can handle the load. Uh, mm-hmm. There's been unprecedented demand, especially since we've announced the, the insurance. million dollars insurance. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so people want to get in. And so, we just got to make sure that yeah, it works. We have to, we have to, remember, we have to deal with things like people doing unexpected behaviors in the app, uh, making sure that the crashes are dealt with, making sure that we can restore funds if something happens, making sure everything works as planned. Mm. And uh, but we're, we're on track and we're rolling it out and it's working great and people, you know, people use it, love it. And, and, uh, uh, but there's a whole bunch of cool things coming and improvements coming and we want to get those out before we make it fully public. Mm. Um, so uh, the, the team's working around the clock 24-7 literally to get this done. Yeah, and so it'll roll up pretty soon. So we're excited about it. Yeah, cool. So she, Marilyn, uh, is actually based in South Africa. So congratulations, uh, Marilyn! You are our winner of our a Civic uh, sort of gift bag of branded items. So it's a gift custom made for you, uh, which uh, my team will uh, get in touch with you to find out what your address is and we'll get that over to you. Um, she's also asked here, uh, will there be any restrictions with regards to minimum earning or savings? And she says, um, could you potentially set up an account or wallet for a child to be accessed at a later stage? Uh, so here's the good thing about this wallet, right? You can go put whatever Bitcoins, crypto you want in this wallet, right? Um, and uh, what actually winds up happening is if anything happens to you, as long as you know, there's a death certificate or whatever else, those funds can be retrieved. Uh, there's a process. It's a pretty extensive process. But if you do die and there's a will that says that your crypto goes to a certain person or to your estate, those, you can't lose those funds. Today, if you know the seed phrase or you're the only one who knows how to access your funds in a certain account or wallet or you know, those funds are lost. Mm. Um, and with us, as long as there's a will and there's the ability to prove that the person has died, those funds can be retrieved. How's it, guys? Just a quick one to say, did you know that due to COVID-19 that the small business sector in South Africa is currently at risk with close to 525,000 formal SMEs locally? employing 6.6 million people. These businesses are at greater risk today than ever before. You know, as a community, we need to do as much as we can to help SMEs succeed and survive during this time. And to this end, I've decided to give away free copies of my number one Amazon bestselling book, You're in the Game Today, which shares the 12 principles that high-impact entrepreneurs billionaires and world champion athletes use to overcome the impossible and achieve the extraordinary. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy or maybe share a copy with an entrepreneur that you feel could benefit from this incredible story, please head on over to mattbrownshow.com, hit the Your Inner Game link, put in your details and we'll deliver a digital copy to you instantly. And for more information, guys, about the book and more developments around the Matt Brown Show, head on over to mattbrownshow.com. All right, great stuff. So, uh, Vinny, we're going to move on to our segment called uh, The Injustice League. Cool. Um, so, Vinny, what is one injustice that you see in the world today? Uh, one injustice that I see in the world today. Lots of injustice. Um, Pick something. <laughs> yeah, I, I still think that 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 uh, child trafficking and child labor is a, um, is just disgusting, mm. and uh, I think that that's something which which the whole the world like we need to protect kids. This world. And I think it's a it's 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 a tragedy that we perpetuate the, the the we perpetuate basically negative people in society by creating them at a young age by abusing kids. And so you have a situation. Where, what I mean by that is that like you know people who are damaged at a young age tend to you know there's there's lots of scientific evidence around this tend to have very destructive adulthoods, right? And then it creates this negative cycle in society. And when we can protect the kids. And we can protect them from 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 all the like give them a more stable upbringing. We'll actually be better for society in the long term. Um, you know, it's just like I look at I look at what happens with um, with child trafficking and um, 
and you know, Ashton Kutcher's doing a lot in this area as well with Thorn. Uh, it, it's it's really important that we help protect the kids in our society. We just we, we there are a lot of a lot of um, negative ramifications of not protecting the children in society long term. Yeah, for us, couldn't agree with you more. You mentioned Ashton Kutcher. Um, the, uh, one of the big things around um, the internet in, in general is trust, and who where where should you get your information from? Uh, especially now with so much fake news being, you know, part and parcel of the online experience. Um, who do you recommend um, our kind of audience look to for good, reputable, trustworthy information related to um, cryptocurrencies and blockchain today? You know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of saying there's any, there's any authorities that you need to listen to. Uh, I think people need to do their own research. Your own research come to your own conclusions, make decisions based upon the data that you've read, that you, you believe, and, and don't trust people. Don't trust me. Don't trust anyone else out there. Look at the data and make your opinions. And, and there's a reason for this. Sometimes people have this basic, you, you, you have cognitive dissonance, right? So I'll, I'll tell you something, and because it just does not agree with your core values as a person, you will assume I'm wrong, and you will not listen to what I'm saying. And then you actually may be right because your values may be better than mine. And so I, I don't believe that – I think you should – everyone should reach their own conclusions and, and go with their own heart because it's like it makes no sense for you to listen to someone else's opinion, go against your gut, and then when, you're, when they're wrong and you're right, um, feel like you've been misled, right? You should follow your heart. And, and then if you do it for long enough and you keep making mistakes and you keep being wrong about things, then you have to reevaluate your own values and your, your own sort of you know, mindset. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a personal journey. So I think everyone should just continue their own personal journey and don't trust other people for information. Um, you know, obviously, you can rely on people to give you judgments and, and their thoughts. But remember, everyone comes from a different place in society and in the world, and their mindset's different. Mm-hmm. And I think be accepting of everyone else's views, but formulate your own way. Alrighty, cool. Uh, let's move into the final segment of the show. It's our rapid-fire round. So, Vinny, um, explain Bitcoin to me like a five-year-old or to a five-year-old. Honestly, I can't explain Bitcoin to myself anymore. <laughs> like, like it, 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 it doesn't make sense in many levels. Um, uh, and what I mean by that is, like, when the days you think it should be up, it's down. The days you think it should be down, it's up. It's the most, you know, volatile thing out there. So I couldn't even begin to explain it to a five-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you could get into a time machine and go back to yourself uh, as a 20-year-old and give yourself one piece of advice about the future, what would that be? Well, about the future? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know, actually. <laughs> I look back and I, like, I have this, I've actually asked myself this question many times. Like, what, what, what would I do if I went back in time? I probably wouldn't. There's not, not too many things I would change. I'm just happy with the way everything is right now. Like, not many things you could change, right? Like, what, what would I have the power of changing? Could I have prevented COVID nineteen? Probably not. Mm. Um, you know, like uh, there's a there's a Cassandra thing as well. When you know the future, and you tell everyone, no one believes you. It's like, well, you know, this is what like, that's another um, side effect of of of, of trying to re look at the past. I just try and use everything as a learning uh, curve and just learn along the way. I mean, sure, I've made a ton of mistakes, but I wouldn't have had those insights and learnings from those mistakes if I hadn't made them in the first place. So would you have rather made them and learned or not made them and not learned? Mm. So that's kind of the way I look at things. What have you failed at in the last week? Um, let's see. The last week I probably failed at uh, relaxing. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I've tried to get into I, I've got this book on my bed. I've been trying to read it for the past week. Uh, it's called Company of One. Um, uh, a friend of mine, Ryan, gave it to me, and uh, I've just been trying to get to it. I just can't get the time to relax and just read it. I'm just busy working the whole time at the moment. So yeah, yeah. slow down for me. Um, and what book have you gifted the most? Um, there's a book called um, – ah, I forgot the name now. It's uh, – uh, it's up my mind. Uh, there's, uh, there's, there's, there's two books I highly recommend to people, really. Shoe Dog is one of them. 
mm-hmm. and the other one was uh, um, it's a book about the I think it was the former CEO of KPMG I think it was who died of cancer, um, and that's a really good book on personal sort of personal growth and and looking at relationships. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. It's fine. Well, we'll put it up in the show notes, guys, um, uh, if Benny chooses to recall. He's got a lot in his mind, okay? He's stressed. He can't, doesn't have time to read a book. Vinny, uh, uh, so um, let's, uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, why do you do what you do? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Oops, I think we may have lost Vinny on the stream there. Uh, well, that was the last question anyway. I can pretty much tell you what Vinny was going to say. I would paraphrase. I've had him on the show before. Uh, but it is certainly all going to be about contribution and helping the society understand this world of Bitcoin and making a contribution and uh, and um, difference in this space. So, guys, that concludes our show uh, poignantly with Vinny, unfortunately, with the internet dropping off the line here. Uh, but thanks so much, guys, for sticking around. Congratulations, Marilyn. We will get your address. Um, and one more thing, guys, if you would like a free copy of uh, my number one best-selling book, Your Inner Game, you can do that right now at mattbrownshow.com forward slash uh, your dash inner dash game. Otherwise, just head on over to the site. It's pretty easy to find. That concludes our show, guys. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you again soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Matt Brown Show, guys. Don't forget, you can catch me on all social media platforms for the latest updates, news, and a show history. So if you've been catching this on the podcast, please head on over to our YouTube channel and pound that subscribe button. It would be great to catch the video version there. And if you want a free copy of my number one Amazon best-selling book, You're In A Game, for free right now today, you can grab that on mattbrownshow.com forward slash ebook. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients haiku went from a two percent share of voice globally to an 11 percent share of voice globally in only seven days if you'd like more information head on over to showworksmedia.com for more that is showworks with an x.com